classic 80s metal. Symphonic death metal opera. But I've got to be in the mood to listen to Black Sabbath. Many of our listeners weren't even born then. Back for its time, it was very progressive. I can see there are thrash elements. You are a metal paradox. A stunning vision of death metal. I would listen to it over and over and over again today. It just seems so dated. I hear this more as operatic and goth. Florianson will surpass Halford as the iconic heavy metal singer. You're listening to The Great Metal Debate Podcast. Metal fans, welcome back to the Great Metal Debate Podcast. I'm Robert, a.k.a. Gomb Dog, the fan of true metal, modern metal. And joining us after reminiscing with all the other 80s metal fans at the assisted living facility is my co-host, Brian. Brian, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. You know, once we get our canes out and go to rocking, you know, ready to go. Better be careful. You old rockers might break a hip. We'll take our cane and shove it straight up your ass. How about that? While you've been listening to dated 80s music, I've been going to some awesome shows, man. I got to see Iced Earth and then Nightwish. Listen, man, you know how you gave me hell about Unleash the Archers and I'll miss that show? Iced Earth is the new version of that for you. That was an amazing show. Of course, on their Incorruptible North American Tour, which also featured kill ritual as well as sanctuary classic metal there for sure yeah including sanctuary who after the passing of classic vocalist Warl dane were doing this tour as an honor to Warl, playing all the classic sanctuary songs yeah man what a great tribute what a way to kind of send your mate off after you know uh, headbanging with him for years and years and to go out and headbang in honor of him they so impressed me with their performance. I'm not a huge fan of that brand of what I would call no, very American. Yeah, what brand is that? Very American kind of heavy power metal. But, man, they were amazing live. I cannot say enough about Sanctuary. Their performance was it was really incredible, man, and a fitting tribute. I never got to see Whirl play live, but they were outstanding. They're iconic in the power metal community. And of course, Whirl and his voice is just, if you are any kind of a fan of that, uh, that genre of metal, you know it. I would have loved to have seen it. And of course, also opening for them were Kill Ritual. Kill Ritual's an interesting band given that they rose to prominence as a thrash band, but yes. after a change in their lineup, where they brought on their new vocalist, David Reed Watson. They're still thrash, but with more of a traditional power metal or even rock front person that gives them a very different vibe. Still thrash, but with a lot of melody and soul, I would almost say. You know, we've talked about that. How does the lineup change in the band, change the sound, the style, the, uh, the genre? You know, do you remain true to your roots? I mean, uh, you know, knowing and hearing the band with both uh, singers, uh, what did you think? Yeah, I was really impressed with David Reed Watson. I got a chance to interview him, talk with him after their show. We talked a lot about metal and thrash and talked about the spirit of metal. And indeed, we talked a lot about something that you talk about, which is yeah. 
that meddles about attitude, although his take on what attitude means is quite different than yours. How so? What, uh, where, where do I need to set him straight? His take on metal as attitude was dedication and devotion. He talked about how in Europe, fans have more of the metal attitude. They are much more devoted than our American metal fans. And indeed talked about how you know one guy after a show that was emblematic of this, one guy after a show, he stuck around and wanted to meet every single artist and have them sign his war jacket just that you know that's the metal attitude just being completely dedicated you stand around for hours waiting to meet your heroes so man i'm super jealous you got to see Stu, you got to see john you got to see the boys in ice earth tell me about the show man was it awesome yeah ice earth they don't disappoint man i've been a fan of theirs since the early 90s when i really got turned on to those classic albums the Something Wicked Trilogy. Uh, yeah. They played all of those songs, the entire oh Something Wicked God. Trilogy, live when I saw them. And, man, I, before they went on stage, I had quite the unique opportunity. As I was interviewing David Reed Watson yeah. in the green room downstairs, the guys in Iced Earth were literally getting ready to hit the stage. I got to see them out of the corner of my eye, join hands, and unite as metal brothers and shout together, you know, one, two, three, and Stu let out this blood-curling scream. And then they all marched past us up to the stage to take the stage and and, uh, begin the metal. Oh, okay, cool. You know, you talked about they did all of the trilogy. Did they have a nice mix of old, new? How much of the new album did they play? Yeah, they played a fair amount of the new album, which I really enjoy. A lot of songs off Incorruptible. A fair amount of old classics as well, including Storm Rider, Iced Earth, a good mix of the old and the new, and a lot of different songs than when I saw them on their last world tour four years before. So I got a good mix. It was an excellent show. Stu is an amazing vocalist. I will say that there are elements of Stu's performance that don't come out in the context of Iced Earth. Anyone who's familiar with his work with Into Eternity knows how he can do the growling. There's just not the opportunity for that in the context of a band like Iced Earth. So you don't see everything that Stu has to offer, but he's still very impressive. Oh, his range is amazing. I would really rate him, for sure in the top ten, maybe the top five vocalists of metal uh, that's, that's going today. This is the thing that pisses me off the most in my life, is when I have to grudgingly say, I should have listened to you sooner. You know, you always, for years, spouted Iced Earth, Iced Earth, and that was back in my glam metal power days, and I just couldn't hear it, man. But I tell you, I love Iced Earth. They're one of my favorite bands now, and I'm very super jealous that you got to go see the show. John Schaefer, his ability to compose songs with incredible metal riffs is in some ways unsurpassed. I, I just... I'm so amazed at what they do and the kind of metal that they continue to perform. It's it's outstanding. And uh, the, one of the nice things about Iced Earth is, I think, with the caveat of John having a few health problems, this is still a relatively young band that, even though they've been around 20 years, I think they'll be performing at a high level for 10 or 15 more years. Sweet. You know, man... Uh, Tommy Iommi was the riff god from 70s and early, early 80s metal. 
and although Schaefer has not enjoyed his fame and popularity like Iommi has, he definitely is a riff king. I mean, he knows how to put together a good line of music on the guitar, and I love listening to his song. Uh, very jealous. Would love to have seen the show. Iced Earth was awesome, and Stu Block is, without a doubt, an amazing singer. Yeah. But recently, I got a chance to see a singer whose skills surpasses even his. In fact, the best metal vocalist I've seen in more than 30 years of going to concerts, the amazingly talented Floor Jansen. I thought you were going to say Ronnie James Dio came back to life, but go ahead with your thought. So the last Monday in March, I traveled to Covington, Kentucky to see Nightwish on their Decades Tour, where they played many tracks they haven't done live since the early 2000s. That included a number of songs off the early albums, Ocean Born, Wishmaster, and Century Child. The epic set list that night included Slaying the Dreamer, End of All Hope, Sacrament of Wilderness, Elven Path, and The Kingslayer. Man, you forget until you hear these songs again how much that modern European power metal owes its sound to Nightwish. Those bands grew up cutting their teeth on this stuff. And, of course, a lot of these songs required the operatic range from a singer that just couldn't be performed by the band live during the Annette Olsen period when their personnel was, honestly, limited to no more than hard rock style vocals. Now, with Floor in the band, they can execute those songs as well, if not better, than they did with Tarya. Good to hear you get all nostalgic about stuff, and I'm glad that you finally acknowledge that things in the past can remain good even when new stuff comes along. This was my fourth time to see Nightwish live, and they always impress me with their talent and energy on stage. Man, my neck is still sore from the show. <laughs> nice. And I'm quite certain I didn't headbang as much as the band on stage. Sweet. Floor can headbang. I'll give her that. Floor is a windmill machine. She, <laughs> frankly puts a lot of other so-called metal front persons to shame with her headbanging. Some singers seem distant on stage. Floor is always making eye contact with the crowd and engaged. If you're in the hall, she sees you. Marco Hidala, Thomas Holopainen, Troy, Impu, Kai, every Nightwish member is a skilled musician who knows how to put on a show. And Brian, more than that, they just know how to have fun on stage. That's one of the things that really separates metal shows now, like Nightwish, from the tedious workmanlike performances you had back in the 80s with metal bands, who never even seemed to enjoy what they were doing. Nightwish is amazing music and performed in a way that's finally fun. Okay, you know, I say this a lot, but I swear that is the dumbest thing I've heard you say. Uh, the 80s bands didn't enjoy it? Are you kidding? Were you at the same concerts I was? Oh, man, those bands oh, were my. so boring oh, and repetitious. Oh, my gosh. My God, how pedantic. I'm sure that they didn't talk about their feelings and dress in black and wear eye... Well, okay, they did wear eyeliner. All right, I withdraw the statement. We have a number of photos from the show up on the podcast Facebook and Instagram accounts. To be there that night in the pit, taking photos and singing along, literally just an arm's reach from the metal goddess Floor Jansen, was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. I've said it before, Brian, and I stand by the claim. Oh, God. Floor Jansen will surpass Rob Halford as the iconic heavy metal singer. Oh, I've got to go throw up a little bit. Good Lord. Well, Brian, talking about great songs, we're going to play our first song for the episode. And then when we come back from the break, 
we're going to talk about some beef between members of a classic heavy metal band. by Brightstorm. Brightstorm is a symphonic gothic metal band hailing from Sao Paulo, Brazil, who released their first full-length album, Through the Gates, 
in 2017. Dude, when I heard these riffs, I did not want to walk. I wanted to run to the barrier and headbang. I love the music behind this song. Now, I am not a symphonic metal fan. I always have this thing about symphonic metal where the music doesn't seem to fit the voice sometimes. Extremely talented, wonderful singing, beautiful singing, wonderful metal riffs. It's just hard for me to put that together and enjoy it as much as if it's just straight-up growling, kick-ass, killing music. The great vocals that this young lady displays are uh, akin to the great vocals of the band we're going to talk about next. You would call them outdated and old. I would call them classic and legendary. And there's been a little bit of beef between some of the members of Judas Priest. Of course, we're talking about uh, Rob Halford and K.K. Downing kind of jabbing back and forth in uh, social media and Facebook. Uh, have you been reading about this, uh, Gumpa? The big news is, of course, that classic metal band Judas Priest is back with another album, but back with a little controversy. Uh, of course, part of the news is that long-standing guitarist Glenn Tipton is not joining them for their current world tour owing to his being diagnosed with Parkinson's disease which is certainly certainly a sad thing although I understand he is appearing live for some selected dates to maybe play a song or two in the airing of that decision there was word from the other half of the classic Judas Priest guitar duo KK Downing basically saying hey why wasn't I invited to come back and join the band? And questioning Tipton's contribution to the most recent album, hinting that, well, maybe the guy who's joining him on stage, who was the producer, maybe he did most of the writing anyway, which resulted in a pretty strong rejoinder from Rob Halford, the vocalist for the band. This is such a bizarre event in the life of a band like this. Those dudes played together for years. They played with each other. They worked off of each other. They finished each other's solos. It's kind of a dick move to put your bandmate down simply because they didn't want you coming back and causing more controversy. And it seems like rightly so. I find it kind of silly as somebody who really doesn't want to listen to old people play music anyway. <clears throat> I mean, seriously, just put all the shit in the debate aside. What do you think about KK saying all this crap? I mean, seriously, do you think it's a dick move, or is it something that it's okay for him to be pissed about? I wish the old guys would get out of the way and maybe bring on some younger people to play. Bring back Ripper, or maybe even somebody younger than that. Let's get rid of these old guitars and bring in some young. Don't just play the same aged riffs over and over again. My God, how many times can you play Living After Midnight without going insane? I hope that Glenn dies playing that solo because it would be so fitting for him, man. Listen, you have to admit that there's something magical and special about being this long in an industry. You can't deny the legendary status of this band and the contribution they've made. Oh, God, you kill me with your wishy-washy, weak-ass fandom. Their day has passed. Time to get off stage. Your time is over, Judas Priest. Time to step aside. You know, it's a good thing that you don't treat your love life like you do your metal life because you're going to die old and alone because nobody's coming to your funeral because you will have abandoned everybody in your life. 
your attitude of just tossing people to the wolves, oh, just pisses me off, man. Get a little loyalty. Let me ask you this, Dom Do you think that they should have invited KK back to play? No. Why would you bring back an old guitarist who left the band who represents the past? It would be much better that they find a young, new guitarist, one who would be inventive, somebody who's not a grandpa to play metal. Oh, you suck. I can't believe you're so damn ugh. You don't deserve to have the memories of the good times we had listening to that band. Just raising hell with everybody standing around, and you there with your thumb up your ass going, they're going to be old one day. I don't like them right now. I, oh, you just killed me. You're killing me. You just would just retire and put them out to pasture like an old animal does. I mean, it's just, it's amazing, uh, your attitude there. Because we're talking about old and old animals, let's talk about something that we can agree upon with our next band. This is the band Old Wolf with the song Old Wolf off their album from 2018, Faustian Mass.
Welcome back. Old Wolf is a crusader for the new wave of traditional heavy metal out of Pulaski County, Kentucky. Check out their album, Faustian Mass. They must have made a deal with the devil down there in Pulaski County because they definitely got their money's worth. Really enjoyed the song. Bunch of talented guys. Looking forward to hearing some other stuff from these dudes. So you would definitely call that song heavy metal. Would you not, John Fox? I would say that that is heavy metal, yes. Let me ask you this. Does all heavy music necessarily encapsulate metal? I mean, if it's heavy, is it metal? No, not necessarily at all. I think there are... Give me an example of who you would say is not metal but heavy. An example would be the band Nirvana. Uh, Nirvana is perhaps the quintessential grunge band, but they're, they play some pretty heavy music. I mean, they incorporate very heavy chords in their music, but they don't use metal riffs, or at least not much. And I don't think it makes sense stylistically to place Nirvana in the same category as Fintroll, Teresa's, or Man of War, because they're not metal. I think there are other extreme musical styles, particularly going outside of grunge. Let's talk about you know industrial music that's very heavy but isn't very metallic. They're not playing in a metallic style, even though there's a lot of heaviness. So my claim would be no, that not all heavy music is metal. Okay, this is going to drive you crazy because I'm going to do a Brian argument here. I agree with you to a point that Nirvana is not necessarily traditional metal i do think that all heavy songs have an element of metal to them you know could it be that grunge has elements of metal to it i think the answer to that is no that grunge grew out of alternative rock that grunge is a development of alternative rock so i i think the answer to that is no okay let's let me switch gears on you then you know the band anthrax they work with, uh, I think his name is Chuck D. from Public Enemy, and they sang a song called Bring the Noise, where they had rap vocals combined with heavy metal distorted guitar. I would clearly call that heavy metal, even though there's a lot of rap vocal style to it, and rap is permeated through the song. What, what would you say about something like that? Well, I mean, I don't want to get into particular songs. I- Any band could have a song that you could pull out and make some sort of radical stylistic claim about. So I I think songs are a very poor level of analysis here. I don't think songs are a good way of entry point into this discussion. Okay, there's a band called Power Man 5000, and there's a band, there's another band, uh, Union Underground. Imagine bringing the noise with a little less rap to it, but... Definitely elements of alternative style singing and even some of the music. Uh, I could see where people could make an argument that it's not traditional metal, but I don't think tradition, metal is an attitude. It's not necessarily married to a sound. Before the Dawn by Judas Priest. Well, again, uh, you're, you, you just literally did what I... We're not talking about songs. We're talking about bands, about entire catalog. I think you can become very confused when you start talking about particular songs. But I think because, because I think that you totally, completely eliminate metal from some genres of music that obviously have metal in them. It's again the definitions argument. I have a very broad definition of it. You have a very limited, constricted view of what metal is. 
you don't actually do that, though. You make very clear statements about some bands being metal and others not being metal. So you're not you're not actually in practice doing what you're claiming to do. No, I don't. I mean, there are bands that are more metal than others, and I would definitely label where I would not label Nirvana a metal band. They have metal elements. Where I would label Priest a metal band, they definitely have non-metal elements. And so it's an overall preponderance of the evidence. Let's just stop there. You and I are in agreement there. I, we, we couldn't be in more agreement. So I think the question is, where are those elements, and, and what constitutes being more metal than not? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, that's what you're going to have to do. To me, that's the difference there. Like, at what point is there less metal and more other styles? And, and I guess I would also say, like, at what point is it more accurate to say that a band is in another genre? Like, yeah, at what point? I mean, yeah. I guess if you're looking at it like a court case, you have to do a preponderance of the evidence, and that gets messy and long and convoluted. Uh, you know, I don't, I can't come up with an overall definition that's going to sway somebody's opinion. It's a lot like the First Amendment argument with pornography. I don't know what it is, but but I know it when I see it. I don't know what metal Which is, was a cop I out. I, I mean, that that was, was a cop, a cop out, out argument it was, by the it was Supreme a Court. That's a terrible, that was, legally that was a terrible argument. argument. Uh, that was basically oh just God. a big well, cop out. Sure they didn't get say Gumball anything. On the Supreme Court, and make sure he makes all the decisions in the land about metal. We would all be worshiping Nightwish and have to wear black lacy things with sparkles in them. That's what our that's what our definition of metal would be and look like. So speaking of metal, whatever you define it as, this next band qualifies, I think. For our final song of the episode, we have the Slovenian folk metalers Brezno off their first full-length release from 2014, Kri. This is Solze. <laughs>
checking out the latest Borealis. Progressive Power Metal is from Ontario, Canada. Their new album, The Offering. As well as the new album, The Darkness Between Shadows from Of Shadows. Atmospheric Black Metalers, their new album in 2018. And then I've been reaching back, back into the 1990s for a little classic dream theater. Their, their album, Images and Words. Good stuff, man. I have been listening to the new Purest of Pain album, the Solipsis. Incredible, incredible album. I just, I really love that band. Of course, I love Meryl anyway. I would marry her like in a heartbeat. Also listened to, you know, I, I reviewed a band called Heretic, and I've been listening to a couple of their older albums also. And then, of course, returning to the classics, man, I have been watching a lot of videos of Pantera and Phil and just all the craziness that he used to get into at the concerts. It's not just about the music for that. I love 
his style of he was this front man and all he did was act pissed off and people loved it. You know, that's entertainment right there. When you can act pissed off and bring a crowd to their feet, man. I got to see Pantera a number of times back in the day and the most amazing thing was not Phil, but was Dimebag and Dimebag. I, I saw them in ten thousand seat arena and I also Sweet. saw them in a bar in a room that probably only held seventy five people at oh, most. So cool. And, man. and that guitar tone that he had was the same in both locations. To this day I have no idea how he generated that, but that sound was unique and, and maybe never to be replicated. I've heard people that have saw him in concert said that he was flawless. He played the album. Most people that play guitar, they can't reproduce sounds they put on the album. He not only could reproduce it, but add to it. I, I just heard he was incredible. I heard Phil later in uh, uh, had a little bit of cracking in his voice, you know, too much whiskey. Of course, when I saw him with Super Joint, he was incredible. I mean, he was pissed off. And the crowd loved it. And, you know, except for the Heil Hitler salute in the middle of it, you know. that. Other than that, we're all good. I'm also going to be brushing up on the Texas Hippie Coalition and the Cobra and the Lotus new album. I'm going to try to go see their show at some point in Lexington in the summer. I'm excited about what's coming. So many good shows upcoming. So much great metal this year. It's an awesome year for metal. 